have enjoyed if she'd been like, I'm a white bitch. Look at my chrysanthemum. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, you are listening to Great Culture, the podcast where we talk about wine, pop culture and feminism. I'm Kim. I'm Sam. And we hope you enjoy the show. On this week's episode, we are talking about Why Women Grow, which is a book by Alice Vincent, all about women who garden and stories of soil, sisterhood and survival. So much sibilance. But before we start talking about the book, Kim, you have bought some wine. I have bought some wine. Yes, it's got flowers on it. It's got flowers on it. That's why I bought it. Genuinely. So we actually chose a really nice biodynamic, floral themed wine. wine. Austrian wine, we were going to try something different, and then we bought it ages ago, and Sam was feeling lazy, and she drank it, and, and then, then... fucking Winnie the Pooh of wine, me, got into it, because... <laughs> Look, we've all done it, we just yeah. don't always have to talk about it on the podcast. And then DPD, or whoever it was, failed to deliver the, failed to deliver the replacement. So, yours truly... Smellier of Extraordinaire. Smellier. Smellier. Extraordinaire came to the rescue with none other than an M&S wine. So this is the Roero Arnez twenty twenty one. I chose it because it has flowers on it. But specifically, I really liked the label because it seemed to have different seasons of flowers. Well, it's not even flowers, it's it's flowers and fruit. So mm-hmm. it's the different kind of things that you can grow. It has pears on it. So this is a dry wine suitable for vegans. The style is mouth-watering, full and unoaked. Mm. The taste is blossom herbs, apple and peach. Mm. And it pairs well with creamy pastas, chicken and fish. You had your creamy pasta? I did have a creamy pasta, which had chicken in it. So we're off to a good start. Arnez, Little Rascal in the Piedmont dialect, is so called because it is considered difficult to grow. However, it does thrive in Roero, the area of magnificent hills on the left bank of the Tenaro River in Piedmont in northwest Italy. Yeah. Here, the calcareous cilius soils encourage the development of perfumed, elegant wines like this one, crafted by Bruno Cordero of Terre Davino. Apparently, it has aromas of white flowers, chamomile, peach and apricot with flavours of citrus, ripe pear and sweet almond. Delish. So it sounds quite... It's a dry wine, but it sounds quite desserty, like quite mm. sweet. So I'm, do. I'm interested... Cheers. Cheers. That is definitely more subtle than the pre-wine I just had. But you had red, so uh, how's that going for you? So sweet. Really? I'm not getting much sweetness from it, but then that one was very sweet, so... Peachy. It's delicate. Yeah. Delicate peaches. Delicate peaches. But I would definitely drink this in a garden. So far, but we'll see how it goes. Yeah. At the end. Yeah. So gardening. 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 Women what grow. Women what grow. The book we're talking about today is Why Women Grow, Stories of Soil, Sisterhood and Survival by Alice Vincent, the author of Rootbound. It's a really beautiful looking book and, you know, beautifully written as well, I think, that follows Alice as she interviews various women about their relationships with their garden. And it was kind of born out of her experience gardening in the pandemic and also previously, in I think in a previous memoir, she talks about mm. how she discovered gardening and essentially saved, saved her after a difficult and traumatic time. I chose this book because I had seen it yonks ago and I'm a sucker for a really nice floral cover. I... 
uh, you and I both enjoy gardening and I thought that it would be a really interesting conversation. I'd like to start with our stories about our gardening to kind of ground us, no pun intended, pun slightly intended, (laughs) in the episode a little bit. So you and I both grow things. We both enjoy growing things. Yeah. (laughs) Fungus. Yeah. Grudges. Moss. Grudges. Yeah. But you and I both grow things. We yeah. we are both people who grow plants and vegetables and green summers. Yes. And we're both relatively new to this as well, I think. Yeah. In in the grand scheme of things. This episode I think is gonna be coming out is is peak harvest now. What's your relationship with growing, Sam? I'm just going to make the pun that I made before the podcast of like, mainly I grow outwards, but I've already done it now and it feels stale. So, yeah, now my relationship with gardening, it, like you say, very new. I bought a shit ton of, plant, of houseplants during the pandemic, as I think a lot of people did, because I was like, I can't go outside, it'll bring the outside to me. And then went, I'm probably going to kill these immediately, but because hyperfixation, I bought far too many. And, and then I haven't killed them. In fact, I have killed very few, and a lot of them are doing very well. So I was like, oh, okay, maybe... Maybe I'm alright at this. And then some allotments came up quite near where we live. And I went, that might be fun. And I got an allotment and now I grow shit in there as well and eat it. Which is good fun. You're well good at it. I'm well good at growing well fucking good at growing courgettes. Things. Fucking courgettes. Coming out the hoiseau. The nurse that I spoke to this morning said that she'd also had a bumpy year for courgettes. She'd had a shit year for everything else, as have I. Yes, because but it's been damp and terrible. Yeah, and Terrible year for tomatoes, apparently. Very bad blight this year. Mm. I have so far got away with no blight, touch wood, but I did buy blight-resistant varieties. I enjoyed the fact that today of all days I had a conversation with a practical stranger about gardening. Excellent, excellent work. I felt, I felt quite cute. Yes. Yes, but you are excellent at growing things. You are particularly excellent in the houseplants, more so than I think any of us are. Uh, this was this was a real like talent that you seemed to have. Magical, inexplicable, and I don't really know why because it's not come from anywhere. How well, about I you? think I think for you, you have the thing where you research something very deeply that you're interested in, so you know all the things. Which, ADHD. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so you. I, I'm very jealous of Sam's growing ability, both at her allotment and in her house. I newer to growing crops than house plants. My house plant history is storied. Mm-hmm. I enjoy them. I have had many for a long time. I've had a peace lily for as long as I've lived in our current city. You can say as long as I've lived. <laughs> what? Yeah. No, as long as I've lived in our current city, it was it was a housewarming gift when I moved to my first flat. Is that that good? Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's still going and I and it even flowered this year, so I was super Boom. chuffed about that. I had a bunch of I had a bunch of houseplants before I moved at the big just before the pandemic. It was my gorgeous croton. And then I had left them in the car just whilst I sort of unpacked a bunch of other stuff and then my car had got broken into (sighs) overnight and it was January and they had all been knocked over by the person that broke into my car and pretty much all of them except the peace lily died. Um, So when I moved... I had a peace lily <laughs> and a dream. But I also had a patch of garden or a courtyard that was massively, massively overgrown. I did not realise quite how big my garden was. My patch of garden that because I technically share. Stuff. Because there was literally just like a mountain of ivy and crap. I found an entire water butt and a rose bush and several like 
At one point, I thought I'd found a body. <laughs> it was not. It was random bits of bone, but not human bone, as far as I'm aware. But it was very terrifying. And yeah, then pandemic happened and I was scared and cross. And I'd already dreamed of having this garden patch, but I suddenly was working from home and needed an outlet. And I thought, I'm going to turn this into something that we can use. And Mm -hmm. now I do. I garden in pots, predominantly pots and troughs, because it is a courtyard garden. Mm -hmm. Um, I tried to make a raised bed. Pretty good at potatoes, got to say. Yeah, you're nailing the potatoes. (laughs) So yeah, so... In earnest, I've been growing vegetables for the last couple of years, but it's always something that I've been interested in. Well, not always, but it's definitely been something that I've been interested in for a lot longer. Mm. Um, one of the dreams when I was moving was to find a garden so that I could grow a vegetable patch. I always had this little dream of like having a farm kitchen or something. Nice. When I was a lot younger and when I still lived at home, I wasn't that interested. My mum is a fantastic gardener the greenest of fingers. the greenest of fingers it's incredible she's got 12 allotments or something <laughs> ridiculous but i always remember her growing spinach in the back garden and she used to take me to her allotment and i used to sullenly not care that much i remember a particular summer that i was reading the hedgerow handbook by adele nazir who is a forager who lives in wales that summer i think really sparked it and that would have been 2012 I think really sparked nice. it because I was sparking that foraging. I was spending time sitting in my mum's little sunny patch on her one of her allotments, mm. and it kind of started that feeling of oh, actually, this is something that I'd like to have at some point, right. and I found it very healing. But yeah, I that's my that's my potted oh. history oh, God, of no. growing. Drink every time Kim makes it. <laughs> but I think it's kind of been percolating a, a lot longer than than I ever really gave it credit for. So all of that mm-hmm. was one of the reasons why I was so attracted to the title of this book. Mm-hmm. And this is something that Sam and I, I think, you know, we've really sh- shared this yes. this love of growing. We've, we've, I've been yeah. to your allotment, you've been in my garden. We've helped each other. We've shared cuttings. We've shared plants. We've given advice. And, and so... Courgettes. And courgettes. <laughs> and courgettes. Yeah. And basil plants. Yeah. And so when I saw the title, Why Women Growing and specifically the subtitle of Soil, Sisterhood and Survival, I thought that this would be a really interesting one for us to talk about. We read this book. We did. We put it in our eyes. We, we put it in our eyes and our brains. And I'm going to go out and say it wasn't necessarily exactly what I expected and it wasn't 100% a winner. There was stuff to enjoy and there was stuff to not enjoy. Yes. And I'd really like to start with the positive before we rip it to shreds because I do think <laughs> that... I do think that there was a lot to appreciate and enjoy from this. And I still got some of what I was hoping to get from this book. So what did you like about Why Women Grow by Alice Vincent? Big fan of the end papers. I mean, gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, Props to. Beautifully put together. Props to the designers. (laughs) Because Um, genuinely. Lovely book. Canon Gate, you nailed it. Absolutely gorgeous book. The cover design is by Rafaela Romea. And the cover painting in bloom is by Vasilisa Romanenko. And that, this is a fucking gorgeous book. Yeah, it's good. So pretty. So Very pretty. Yes, agreed. Um, so that was <laughs> probably one of, my, one of my highlights. I liked the concept of this book, this idea of telling stories through gardening. Mm-hmm. Uh, the concept of the book 
briefly is that Alice Vincent, who is, this is her second book, she is a journalist, writer, and she wanted to understand what it was that drew women to gardening as a gardener herself. And she goes out and interviews a bunch of women across the country and she says across the continent. She goes to Denmark once, <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, a bunch of different women from different backgrounds and different in different areas uh, about what draws them to gardening. And I liked that all the gardens were different. Mm-hmm. I liked that there was wilderness. I liked that there were community gardens. I liked that there were like manicured gardens. Mm. I thought in terms of the breadth of kinds of gardens that she went to see, that was nice. Mm-hmm. I would have liked pictures. Mm. To be honest, the main thing I liked was the concept. Mm. The execution we'll get onto, but this idea of women is such a fundamental link women and nature and a trope that gets overused but I thought this was a different way of looking at it yes I agree I I really liked the concept I thought that it was it was such an interesting thing and you know we'll go into this but one of my biggest biggest criticisms really is that I just didn't feel like it went Mm -hmm. deep enough Uh, take a drink take a drink I've got more (laughs) but yeah I really enjoyed the concept I I I loved like you say the breadth of the people that Alice spoke to and I particularly loved there is a section of this book and she comes back to it that is set in a prison yes um, that is a female prisoner yes. and and their their work growing plants for and people like us business yeah yeah basically yeah. um for bougie white women to go I bought this from a prisoner literally yeah and yeah. I it's something that I I care quite a lot about yeah. is prison reform and and yeah prison being utilised the way it should be rather than just as a place to put people who are bothering you as yeah. it's supposed to be mm. about rehabilitation. But So I really enjoyed that in particular mm-hmm. and that attempt to give uh, a glimpse to things that maybe you wouldn't consider. There were other aspects that I thought were really interesting. I There were, there were women in this book that I I got really rich views of. I thought that the writing... At times was a bit flowery. Oh Christ, I'm gonna be happy. <laughs> but at the same time, like it was it was beautiful. There were some really beautiful turns of phrase. Again, this is gonna lead into some of my criticisms, but I did think that the right you know, this is clearly a person who loves the written language and who loves gardening, and I think that, that really comes across. Mm. So it did feel atmospheric, which I enjoy from a book. I got a real sense of the time that that she was writing about and it did call back to some of the stuff that I found when I was starting my garden during the pandemic that I that felt relatable mm-hmm. and I did appreciate the attempt to be inclusive and intersectional yes. and and broad however <laughs> one of the things that I feel really strongly was that this book did not deliver deeply enough on what it promises, which is stories. Mm. Because I think that this book focused on Alice's internal thoughts and feelings more so than the stories of the women that she was interviewing. I mean, she interviews, I think she says she interviews about 30 people. All of them, in fact, sounded fascinating and no shade to Alice but Alice and Sam and I all seem to be of an age of, of, an a, age, background. of a background of, yeah. 
So these other stories were fundamentally more interesting to me mm-hmm. than hers. And yet I felt that we only ever got a short bit of them. I wanted, I would have been happy for each chapter to have been an edited transcript of their conversation. Yeah. With a picture of their garden and maybe their favourite f- story, you know, like, an Except. anecdote about like yeah. I grew this plant because exactly. my grandfather brought it from the place that an, he's from or yeah. something like that. And then yeah. an essay maybe giving some of the more of the historic detail. Yeah. I felt like that for a book that promises stories mm. of soil, sisterhood and survival, I don't think it gave us stories in depth enough. And it is a sh- it's quite a short book. It's under 300 pages. Mm. But I th- that really let it down for me. And I don't feel like I got enough of the women in these to the point that, and Sam, you said this as well, they all blurred together at times. What were your thoughts on how these stories were delivered and what other criticisms do you have about this book? As you've just said, it's very heavy on the author's own experiences and her kind of quest for understanding. And before we started recording, I said, essentially, the very potted... <laughs> summary of this book is why do women grow stuff and then you read the epilogue loads of reasons and i don't feel like you needed 300 pages for that i feel like yes it would have been a lot more interesting to have these stories forefronted i think as a writer i would have loved this if each chapter had been written as a story a real life story Mm -hmm. of this woman rather than just quotes as you walk around someone's garden of like, mm-hmm. yes, I was going through a very messy divorce and so I just went and hid in the garden, mm-hmm. which which is a perfectly fine thing to do. That's not a, <laughs> that's not a criticism, but it was just, she was a tourist in people's lives, yeah. uh, to borrow a phrase, and I was really yearning for more. Yeah, it needed um, more than one visit. It needed more than one visit. If Even if it had been visiting four women at different seasons mm. to see what the gardens were doing, to see how they were doing and to talk about mm-hmm. different things. I think that would have been interesting. I also would have loved more history because women cultivating plants has a very long history as mm-hmm. it does men, but we'll talk about that later. But it was all very kind of, ah, oh, yes. And then in Tudor times, they were called old wives and then mm-hmm. old wives tales came about. But anyway, here we go to Emily in a high rise flat. It didn't, engender enough of a connection across the stories for me to really care mm-hmm. about any of the people mm. yeah that was a shame i felt that it, it was more focused on her experience than the stories which is again completely valid but if this was a memoir my journey to marriage and motherhood through my garden there's a better title there. Yeah. I'm not a writer. Shocker. <laughs> My Lady Garden. <laughs> My Lady Garden. Than, than great. But yeah. this promised a universal experience mm. that I don't think that it delivered. But... Yeah. But then her point was whole, all the way through. It was like, I was trying to find a through line and I was trying to find something that would neatly package all of these experiences up and there was mm-hmm. nothing because everyone was so different. And like, Did you really think you could just go to like 40 different women and be like, Wordge Garden? Drama. Yeah. And it... it what I was going to say as well is that I thought it was a bit, it reminds me of the early episodes of Sex and the City in that it was mm. this metaphor for life and things. And then, oh, but I couldn't help but wonder how this applied to my situation. And I was mm-hmm. like, I don't care. I actually don't care how this applies to your situation. You're highly privileged, umming and ahhing about whether you want to be a mother or not. I don't give a shit. I want to hear about these women that you're talking to mm-hmm. much more. 
I agree. I'm on an angry day, apparently. But yeah, no, but I, I agree with you because I I noticed the same thing and I'm, I'm flipping through my copy because one of the quotes that I tagged that touches on this thing that you're talking about is... I had been looking for straight lines when the truth is is far more gnarly. With mm. every conversation, I'd sort of causation, a story with a beginning, middle and end, that something happened and then she gardened and then she felt a certain way. Mm. I think I craved the simplicity because I thought that it would offer me clarity and means of revealing that I gardened because it was in my blood or because I was escaping the confines of what was expected of me or because it gave me a sense of control when I felt like I was losing it. And then she goes on to completely ignore what she's just said. <laughs> yeah. And she does this several times. She goes, I wanted to do this. And, you know, like, I wanted to do this. I realised that was being too simplistic. And then she'll say something along the lines of... So in this, in this quote, she's talking about her experience with a woman called Camilla, in which she goes, I thought that I'd come to Camilla's garden and see what I saw on her Instagram, essentially. Like, yeah. I thought that I'd see her story and that she'd really love it and that she found it was an escape. But then I found that actually she kind of didn't really like it all that much. And because, it was quite hard. And, she and it was quite hard. And then she goes straight to, like, but Camilla's was beautiful and and it was still powerful to her and she'd really made her space and i was like i don't think she's telling you that no and that was one example but i i felt the same thing she kept skirting close to kind of coming face to face with her own yeah Yeah. self-indulgence or whatever and then not quite skirting it and i think in that that does the book a failing because i think this book would be stronger if she just let it be about her it needs to be one or the other in this not neither well yeah in this book it's saying that it's about the stuff but it's actually about her and if you're more honest with that like claim your space woman like she talks about this whole it through the heart this whole book about claiming her space and then she won't do it on the page how it's an inherently feminist act and how you know they don't want you to claim a space but then you're like but this is you've got a problem you you've written a book yeah this is your space yeah and Claim I appreciate it. that you want to make it about sisterhood, but then make it about sisterhood and don't make it about you. Yeah. Or, I reckon about 80% of the book, yeah. 70 to 80% of the book is just I, me, or I, me. Or unapologetically, make it about you and what you have yeah, learned. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Don't. I think that she has never been honest with herself that she was more interested in her mm-hmm. own question. And one of those questions was whether or not she should be a mother. Same yeah. But what did you think of the focus on motherhood? Fuck me off. It really fucked me off because it's such a fucking basic, overused link between the fertility of a woman and a womb and a garden. And there's so much symbolism around women's genitals and gardens and flowers and babies and bearing fruit. And it really... The fact that this is the way the book started, I got 40 pages in and then a message came and said... I hate this. I hope it gets less preachy. And I am not in any way saying this to denigrate the experience of mothers or people who want to be mothers, people who have experienced the various kinds of motherhood. What I disliked about it was this soft peddling of the motherhood agenda, if you like, into a book that was meant to be about gardening. I was like, I want to read about flowers. I want to read about your tips for not letting your spinach bolt in the middle of fucking hot summer i don't care about your ovaries Mm. and even you read the blurb on the not the blurb on the back but the pull quotes on the back 
One of them from Nell Frizzle. Fuck you, Nell Frizzle. Wonderful. We need more books about women, wombs, and our role in the world. Nothing about flowers. Nothing about gardens. Nothing Mm. about any of it. And yes, I could just go and read a book on how to grow shit. But... But you wanted to read about someone's experience in their garden, not someone's experience deciding whether or not to have children. As a childless woman who has already decided that whether now or forever you don't want children. I don't want to hear someone else umming and ahhing about the same conversations I've had with myself. Yeah. When I want to read about flowers. That's the thing. When you want to read about flowers. It's again, it's not delivering what it promises. Mm. It is talking about soil, sisterhood and survival. This does not mention wombs. Because this book is about sisterhood, women, womanhood, and obviously a big facet of that for a lot of people is motherhood, is mm-hmm. having children, is that identity. But it's not the only identity. And this started off with that being the primary kind of link that the people that started this story off were talking about how it had been part of their role as the caregiver, how it had been mm. an extension of their family. And it was just really like, off-putting mm. I don't even person. think that it started off as I think the fundamental thing is that the choice around parenthood comes into almost every person that mm-hmm. Alice speaks to it is not just at the beginning it is a through line mm-hmm. and the thing is as we've talked about because this book is more about Alice's own experience it's, it was clearly what was in her heart at the time yeah which again is completely fine. I'm sure it would have been lovely, and I I have no doubt that she would have done that justice. But yeah. call a spade a spade. Yeah. Hey, drink. <laughs> call a spade a cunt. This was <laughs> fucking. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay. So as you can gather, I had I had feelings, strong feelings about this book and some of the themes within it. And um, and we did talk a bit within the strengths about the different types of garden or the different types of green space that these women are creating as as a strength. One of the things this book tries to do is interview people from a variety of different backgrounds, ages, races, abilities. There are people with chronic illness, sexualities as well. I think there was a genuine attempt to be intersectional in the way womanhood, quote unquote, was represented. But do you think it was done well enough? The short answer is no. The, Next question. The <laughs> so long answer is. The long answer is, while I really appreciated that Alice was trying to acknowledge her white privilege, basically being like, I'm white, I'm cis, I have come into a neighbourhood that is not traditionally a white neighbourhood and I am yeah. essentially gentrifying it. I really appreciated that. I particularly appreciated the comment about gentrification. I, I appreciated that and I appreciate the effort to acknowledge the the history of plants, the mm-hmm. history of having plants in the UK of enslavement. And I think that the, the UK in particular really don't always examine their part in the slave trade as... Yes. as deeply as america do we like to pat ourselves on the back for emancipation earlier we don't always acknowledge our culpability and racism i think that you can look at the many 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 inquiries into racism in all of our institutions Mm -hmm. academia police fire government etc nhs etc etc the institutions are trying to scrutinize themselves and we are trying to take ownership and make amends for our position in the fucking 
global shit being colonial hole. wankers so i really appreciated that that was a, a strong examination in this book and i think that that probably was the strongest version of race examination in this book but there were other elements of intersectionality that i really felt were quite weak i thought that again you know we've talked about she didn't go deeper enough into the stories she was only really talking about people in the south and people in the uk i would have appreciated more around quite how much that robbed especially that she spent an entire time entire chapter in botanical gardens in edinburgh mm-hmm. and I don't think that she really talked enough about the wealth that England has based on the enslavement of not just black people, but predominantly black people. But also there's more to it than just race. I don't think that this book addressed trans rights. Not at all. I don't think that this book... You mentioned that there was a a person with chronic illness. Yeah, but there was no mobility problems that would stop people gardening there was the mention of chronic illness was, was i don't think that there was enough was around <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and i don't i just don't think that there was enough around trans women women of color differently abled women non-neurotypical women sorry there was there was a lot that she did not include and as much as she tried to acknowledge it it almost felt like at times, the tick box exercise of, I am going to mention Black Lives Matter, and I've done it now, and that's great. Predominantly, the people that she spoke to were white, cis, and abled. Yeah. And I found as well, it, it was quite... I appreciated that she spoke to a lot of people from a lot of different economic backgrounds as well. Mm-hmm. But it felt very signposted. <laughs> like, mm, this is what she grows in her rented garden. This is what they grow in their acres of land. Like, it, I don't know if... Like, I know that it was to highlight that you can garden anywhere, but it just felt very... Oh, but look what a good thing I've done. Mm. Look how many people mm-hmm. I've spoken to. And maybe that's me. But it felt a bit pat on the backish of... look. look at I think things. that's it. It did feel a bit pat on the backish. She fundamentally does not know the experiences of these women. And she was... It's lovely that you can forge connections with people from any background. The whole point is, like, you don't... Like, there shouldn't be barriers. But there are experiences that you are uniquely related to someone's background that you can't co-opt. And we've talked about this with other topics, which is that one piece of media should not hold the weight of doing everything in a way that male-written or male-created media does not hold the weight of the entire male experience. No. But it almost feels worse when someone is praising themselves, patting themselves on the back, giving themselves kudos for being universal without going deep enough. And again, I keep coming back to it, but this book is posited as why women grow Stories of soil, sisterhood, and survival. Mm-hmm. There is soil because they talk about compost. 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 <laughs> they talk about compost. There is sisterhood in that there are two sisters in it. <laughs> <laughs> and then sometimes, shock horror, women have had the shared experience. Yeah. Who could have guessed it? She makes friends. Survival? Sure. Yeah. Is there? Like, I understand that there is, probably within these individual women's stories elements of survival 
I did not feel like the question of survival was properly addressed. And I think the question of survival is the question of the universal experience. And that's a really, really good point because all of these stories talk about, like she touches well on, on, on the kind of the luxury of being able to garden, how it is a privileged thing to be able to do. And there are these spaces, you know, communal spaces, there are urban spaces. It's not just uh, women in the countryside with big sweeping lawns. But none of these women are fundamentally relying on these gardens for food. Mm-hmm. One of them, I can't remember who, I'm so sorry, but makes the point of like, I was growing carrots and I realised if they didn't grow, I could just go and get them in the supermarket. Mm-hmm. And that's not the reality for many women who are growing things. Mm-hmm. And that was never really touched upon. Like mm-hmm. Growing as a necessity beyond your own well-being, there was no growing to live. Mm-hmm. It was growing to cope mm. and i thought that was yeah 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 it, it, it's not it, this was gardening as a pastime yeah this is i have the luxury of having a hobby so on that note of you know being privileged we're going to pause our very white podcast <laughs> we're going to go have a wee we're going to top up our glasses and we'll see you in a bit So we're back from our break. We are still drinking some wine. I finished my glass, but you still got a little bit of the... Hmm. Il Venezi Reora Agnese. Yeah, that's what I said. To go. How are you finding it? Quite drinkable. Very bland, I guess. Mm. I was thinking about this during the break, and I guess I would describe it as watery apple juice. Cool ringing endorsement i'm surprised they don't put that on the bottles i know if there were pull quotes for the cover of this wine watery apple juice watery apple juice with alcohol yeah it's it's not the it is white wine and it is not the worst and it doesn't taste like pineapples it is very drinkable i've i've not minded drinking it which is pretty high praise but it's just i don't feel like this is tasty it's not delicious it's not tasty yeah Mm. what about you yeah, similarly, it was it was absolutely fine, inoffensive. I've now switched back to the white I was drinking earlier, which has a lot more like in the best way. And yeah, it was very would absolutely drink it with food because it won't interfere with the flavour of the food. Yeah, and I could see it as a very lovely dinner wine. Yeah, possibly not just for just for the lols on a, it's a bit of a session wine. It's a bit of a session wine. So the book is called Why Women Grow. It is about women gardening, and um, but and the space that women occupy within within that that industry and history um but do you think that gardening is an inherently female act because this posits rightly or wrongly that it is led by the invisible labor of women yeah i don't know cool i had a real struggle with the leaps between gardening and invisible labor Mm. Because, as you correctly pointed out, the gardening in this book is a luxury, not a necessity. And I don't, you know, like, I don't think that you can necessarily call that invisible labour in the same way that the, the the necessity of running a house in the modern mm. age is, is. It's not washing up. No. And I, I, as I did with many of the comments in this book, felt like she was stretching it a bit to get mm. there. 
the thought process was great, but she wasn't point example and analysis. She wasn't peeing. Yeah, she wasn't peeing. And I, I was interested in this book because I do think that the act of gardening, in my experience, has been something that women love and that women identify with. And I think that there are tropes and stereotypes and reels dedicated to my wife wants to go around the garden centre. My mother is giving me clippings advice. My, you know, my grandmother escaping to the garden centre, to the greenhouse for various reasons. Do I think it's an exclusively female act? No, obviously not. And I think that this this book does examine the fact that history mostly focuses on men's approach to things and it does also examine the idea that gardening or like cutting roses or whatever was an accepted female pastime in in genteel society but i think it also ignores and willfully ignores the male male experience in gardening she even talks about, I always associate, associated the garden with my grandfather, but clearly it was my grandmother all along. And that's not the only example of that. There are other stories in which the person talks about their grandfather yeah. and she almost like tries to gloss over that. Yeah. And I found that really difficult because I don't really think that to focus on feminism means focusing on only women's experiences. I think you can learn something from a father or a, or a male figure and it still be an inherently feminist act to carry that on. Mm-hmm. I think to ignore the fact that men do exist in this space and have influenced this space is creating that dividing line that I think feminism shouldn't be creating. Mm. And in my own personal experience, yes, my mum is the, is the one that who is, the you know, the grand goddess of gardening in my life. But... I do remember my both my grandparents, my my grandma and my grandpa, and their greenhouse and and sort of pot around the garden with my grandpa and his apple trees and and all that sort of stuff. And I was very close with my grandpa, so that's obviously a significant memory for me. But I just think that willfully ignoring men in this book is not helpful. So I, no, I don't think the gardening is an, an inherently female act. I do think. That there is a style of gardening and a confinement to gardening. 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 Rather than farming or growing. It's more landscapery. That I think is confined to women. I think... I think that it's 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 really getting down to the nitty gritty, which is that there definitely is truth in the fact that gardening was like given to women as a genteel act as long as you were only growing beautiful hothouse flowers and also if you have servants to do the heavy lifting for you yes. in times gone past yes and i think that is an interesting exploration mm-hmm. that's an inherently female act in which case i do agree with the idea that to to reclaim the heavy lifting to reclaim the dirt and the muck is rebellion mm. But I don't think that the simple growing of crops is inherently any gender. Yeah. Because it's just growing shit. Because it's just survival. And I also think that it is arguably reductive. 
yeah, that is was something that I did struggle with in this book was this kind of almost stonewalling of mm. the male experience of gardening or male input in gardening and the point you made about how pe- people in her interviews would bring up their grandfathers, their fathers, their brothers sometimes as well. But then Alice would kind of be like, ah, yes, but look over here, a woman. And just kind of ignore the, ignore the experience I found very strange because I there are certain aspects of gardening that I do associate more with men having an allotment I feel an allotment from my perspective is a man thing because I associate associate it with old grumpy men who want to avoid their families going after the allotment and I know it's because your mum has like 15 yeah um, seriously so yeah she's got like an allotment mafia ring going on (laughs) so and again growing up not that either of my parents were really gardeners it was never really a thing but the person who would always do the garden stuff was dad but yeah so I don't I don't, yeah, I don't agree that gardening mm. is inherently female. And I also don't agree with this concept of women are the people to pull things from the earth and women are the people to think about nature and this and that and the other. And I'm like, hmm, th- this feeds into that whole men are destroyers, women are creators mm. narrative, which is so binary, so divisive and so <laughs> ignorant of the in-betweens. Yeah, um, that's exactly it. Yeah, yeah. And just because maybe men are more celebrated, that's a different conversation. Men being more celebrated as gardeners is a patriarchal yeah. outcome. And that is not the same as men can't get the same thing from gardening that women can. I think that's exactly right. Yeah, y- yeah, you've put it beautifully, exactly the argument that I want to make. It's a shame that this this book ignored the male experience for the sake of the female. And I think that's what, as you said, feminism is, is not about women being on top and being in charge of everything. Women, mm. uh, Feminism is about everyone being equal. Mm. And this does not make the male experience equal. I completely agree with the argument of you celebrate women because we're, we're levelling the deficit. Mm-hmm. But what this book did was celebrate women at the expense of men exactly and one of the things that it did that in was with the historical stories where it talked about vanessa bell was one of them where really strongly focused in on vanessa bell which is great i'm glad that we're celebrating her experience but it really did that at the expense of men in her life including queer men in her life who probably also aren't being (laughs) as celebrated like as much as, well, frankly, Virginia Woolf. Well, yeah. And for those who might not know, Vanessa Bell is... Virginia Woolf's eldest sister. Mm-hmm. Who was part of the Bloomsbury, Bloomsbury Club. Group. Uh, Bloomsbury Club. Bloomsbury Club group. group. She was the wife of Clive Bell, but the muse of artist David Grant, and as I ma- understand. And the mother of sculptor Quentin. Yes. And- so she was really at the... At the heart in many ways of this group she provide she provided the home in which many many of the members of the bloomsbury group congregated she was she was part of this she was virginia Woolf's sister rock confidant she was also a creator in her own right she was an artist and, and a gardener and many other things she was a she was a wonderful artist she is lesser known she's she is sidelined due to more famous people in her circle 
uh, male and female, mm-hmm. and her position as that kind of background muse, supporter, lover, etc. Wife, mother. Yeah. And Alice has a very interesting section in this book about Vanessa Bell, which I was interested in. I felt it was in the wrong book. <laughs> yeah. I felt that Alice Vincent could write a compelling biography of Vanessa Bell. Mm-hmm. But I think trying to centre her in a narrative exclusively about gardening did both Vanessa Bell and Alice Vincent a disservice. It felt jarring to pull out a single woman. Yeah. Because she had a link to a place that Alice knew as a child. Yes. And I felt that it was an, another example of that kind of myopic view mm-hmm. that Alice had of, of feminism and gardening. And also a very southern view, I have yep. to say. And I say this as a the hearty southerner. Hearty. And also the, it, was, it was service level. And it got me thinking. When I was reading that specifically, I was thinking about what I would have liked this book to do more. We've already touched on this a little bit. But what would you have liked more from from this book? I would have liked more, as we said already, more of the stories of the people who are being interviewed and more of their kind of, more of their characterisation. I would have, but the main thing that I wanted more from, because I got snippets of it and then it was just whisked away, mm was the history of mm-hmm. women and gardens and growing. And not just gardens, but women growing and cultivating. Because you can go back as far in human history as fucking possible. And there's this there's this preconception that when you talk about the hunter-gatherers, that women were the gatherers and men were the hunters. Whereas when you actually delve into the, the history of that and cave paintings, it, it's not a case of that and it was it was a community and it wasn't as simple as like women be having babies and staying home and picking berries men go stab bison it was (laughs) it was much more than that and i would have liked to see that interspersed with real stories of 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 female experiences gardening mirrored almost mirrored yeah uh and the way that these themes recur and the Mm. reasons that women grow um continue to show up so yeah i would like more of that yeah what do you think i completely agree i i think that i was expecting more of an overview of history Mm. rather than the toe dipping that we got Mm -hmm. i i wrote two things down Mm -hmm. (laughs) one was watford by which i mean (laughs) I want more Watford. I want more Watford. What I mean is, there's the there's the you know joke of like north of Watford, north of Watford gap. She goes to Manchester, Manchester and Edinburgh, and Edinburgh, which is basically Scottish London. Sorry, Edinburgh, but like, in the sense of like you're picking you're picking a capital and metropolitan. I wanted more of the the country. Mm. I wanted more of the Midlands and the North, which I think is continually ignored. And I come with romantic poetry bias, but there are the Midlands and the North. They're routinely ignored in a lot of literature and a lot of TV and a lot of pop culture. It's like London exists and everything else sucks. And it's got such a rich industrial, low economic multicultural history 
also a very genteel history mm-hmm. and huge wealth of literary and cultural history comes from everywhere north of Watford Gap, <laughs> basically, is my point. It doesn't delve into the differences between gardening and one of those areas or the other. There's no horticultural yes. insight into what it's like to... The different soil. Yeah. To the different like soil to in the book about in soil. Sussex versus the black country. Yeah. Versus the fens. Versus... Where know, all fucking, the fucking the crops more. come from. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's nothing about that. And so that alone was an issue. But then... And this is the classic thing of you go into a book that's nonfiction and you're like, but they didn't talk about my thing. Mm-hmm. But they didn't talk about my thing. She didn't talk <laughs> about my thing. Which is that one of the historic people that she didn't address that I think would have been a really rich research field is Dorothy Wordsworth, who is who is exactly what I would have thought that Alice Vincent would be interested in. A woman who was overshadowed by her more famous brother who kept a house, who kept a garden, who wrote her journals, who was literary and creative and a gardener and robust. All the things that Alice Arthur is. Except the fact that she's northern and Alice isn't. But Dorothy Wordsworth's journals reveal so much about women's place in that time, women's place within a garden, women's place within this kind of weird genteel society where you can garden but you can't necessarily garden for crops but you need to garden for crops and you also have this twat of a brother who's like i wandered lonely as a cloud but yeah i just dorothy wordsworth was one example of a rich history that i felt was ignored mm-hmm. a particularly rich and literary history which has published books that you can delve into that wasn't even mentioned and I, I was just thinking, like, there were, as you mentioned earlier, there was one reference to Europe. Yep. But th- there are women all over the globe, past, present, future, who... Grow in shit. Grow shit. And would be interesting to talk about. And I didn't get any of that. It just felt like... It wasn't, I want to interview my friends. But it was, I am comfortable with listening to people. However, you know, we started this by talking about some of the stuff we liked and we've talked about one of the things we really wanted was more history. How did you feel about the idea of women's history, women's gardening law and the inheritance of gardening and sort of genetic memory in this book? Because I thought that that was quite interesting. Yeah, I agree. I think this was was a strength in this book was this idea of the chain of female experience the ch- but not just female experience as we talked about with um things being passed down from fathers grandfathers etc mm-hmm. and this idea of gardening being this thing that renews you know plants some plants die some plants grow that it that continues to happen throughout time throughout the world and this need to be a part of it this need to i don't even think control is the word she says that a lot of Mm -hmm. things come back to control i don't think that's always the case at all um is this strange kind of um instinct genetic need whatever that, that that comes out again and again regardless of whether you have a person in your life who has inspired you to do this i mean it's it's an examination of the idea of the wise woman and and tradition 
and especially herbal tradition. And mm. I think you and I both have a fascination of herbology mm. uh, and how that relates to witchcraft and things like that. And there's so much focus on like witch being a witch recently and like mm. yeah and foraging and all that kind of shit. And how much you learn from it. And yep. I mentioned earlier a you know a foraging yep. book that really sparked my interest in gardening. Yep. I think it's I think it's hugely powerful. I think the more that we get into a sanitized world, a digital world, a we're watching America charge $500 minimum for life-saving medicine world and yeah. watching the Tory government maybe maybe suggest that we should be doing that in the UK and you're like, hmm, can we not though? Yeah, because your school friends want you to do that because yeah. you're all learning. Yeah, oh, and you know... Always we examine yeah. the chemicals that we're putting in our body and everything i think and for you and i particularly putting our hands in the soil growing the things that smell good to us that make us feel better mm. the green that the green smell scientifically proven that mm-hmm. breathing in the the smell of chlorophyll etc genuinely lowers your heart rate makes you feel more relaxed helps you mentally helps with anxiety you and i both have talked about our mental health struggles i think it's natural that we are interested in that there is a real resurgence of it there is an appreciation of it's not one or the other it's not ancient medicine is the only right thing at and screw medical pharma or medical pharma is the only right thing and screw like ancient medicine it's the blend of both i'm not saying that rosemary can cure cancer i'm saying that actually garlic is a very is a pretty good antiseptic like there are reasons why we have used these for thousands of years yeah and i love the appreciation of that and i think that there is appreciation of that law and inheritance in this book but i think if you read this book it could spark something in you to be like, I want to do more of that. And what I do appreciate about books like this and this book is when it starts you on your rabbit hole. And where do you think fucking medicine came from? Yeah. Like, people didn't just synthesise ev- all of this in a lab at whim. It all came from somewhere. It yeah. all came from learnings which come from plants, which come from naturally occurring things, which mm-hmm. have then been developed. And are better understood... A lot of the time. Yes. But not yeah, this but is not, not always. Being like, Don't vaccinate your children, just have the meat mugwort. Like that's not what No, I'm exactly. This is the thing. We're very much not about that. No. We're very no. much about learning from the natural world. Yeah. And doing yeah. what we as intelligent beings are able to do, which is improve on that and create things that really utilise all that information. But sometimes slap arnica on a bruise. On that note, we're going to wrap up, I think, and we are going to talk about our ratings for both the book, Why Women Grow, and the wine, the Il Renese Rorero Arnese. Oui. Oui, it's Italian. Si. 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 Sam, what did you think of the wine? It was pleasant. Mm. Very forgettable. Yeah. Very forgettable. Yeah. Uh, This is not an episode I will remember for the wine. (laughs) I thought it was quite delicate, quite peachy. So I'm going to go with a three. How about you? I think I agree. I have to say, I thought that the first 
class, after I got over the sort of comparison between red and white, the first class was, was very nice. It was very delicate, very flavorful, really, you were able to sort of appreciate it, had a lovely aroma. And I thought that that, that's a good example of what this one is for. I wouldn't rush to buy it again. I drink it if it was on the table and we were having fish. Three seems perfectly reasonable to me. Decent. Three grapes. And how about Why Women Grow by Alice Vincent? I had a lot of mixed feelings about this book. I tagged a lot of things. Some of them were quotes that annoyed me. Some of them were quotes that I... that resonated with me. At times it was oh my god, please stop talking about motherhood, this isn't my vibe. But other times she did talk about things that I was able to relate to and it was really a mixed bag. I felt like it could have gone deeper, I wanted a little bit more, but I did think that it was beautiful, like she has a beautiful turn of phrase, she's clearly a very good writer, if she can understand what her subject matter is. So I gave it three. Sam, what about you? To say I hated it might be too strong. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. No, no, no. I, I was really, again, I was really excited about this. And in a fit of optimism, um, bought this in her, her memoir, Rootbound, um, in a bundle. I felt like she, you know what, she, wrote, she reads like a journalist because she reads like she is given too short form. Mm-hmm. Um, bite-sized. Bite-sized content. Great at sound bites. Yeah. Yeah, perfect. Give me... 1500 words of this mm-hmm. not 300 pages mm-hmm. and i think that would have been much much more interesting even if it had been serialized if it had been done a different way i don't feel like she is a storyteller mm. and me loves me a story mm-hmm. so 1.5 fair enough 1.5 three for me three for you So thanks for listening to this week's episode. Don't forget, we'll be back in two weeks with a brand new show for you. If you want to follow us in the meantime, we are on Instagram at Grape Culture Podcast. We are on Twitter at Grape Culture Pod. Or you can go to our website, which is grapeculturepodcast.co.uk for links to the wine or also anything else that we've talked about this episode. Don't forget to come back in two weeks and we will see you soon. Bye. Bye!